Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. your horrific true crime podcast. I'm Connie, here with GameStop stock connoisseur Meg. This is episode 16, Ahmad Siraji, the sorcerer. Doesn't that sound awesome? Like, <laughs> <laughs> It does sound awesome. I'm very excited because you know I love a story with like magic and like yes. mysticism. I'm just a big fan of magic in general. Yeah. Uh, Harry Potter, fairy godmothers, wandering to rule them all, whatever. Yep. Okay. I pretty much stop at Harry Potter. <laughs> Not me. If it's like magical, or fantasy, I will pay that membership fee. I'll join your club 100%. I'm very basic in the sense of Harry Potter, know it, love it, obsessed. Vampires, basic white girl, I'll take them. (laughs) And then I like to manifest things. So I do stand in front of my mirror and manifest. You do your affirmations? Yes. 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 I'm healthy. I am wealthy. I am rich. Sorry, I've seen like 4 million of those TikToks. I listen to that song (laughs) every day on the way to work just to mentally prepare. It really (laughs) pumps you up. You're like, yes, I am. Okay, let's go. I also do it whenever my daughter is in a mood and I have to handle that. (laughs) So I tell myself. Because you got to be that bitch. I am that bitch. That me. (laughs) All right. Tell me, tell me about Ahmad. Okay. So the reason I am doing this case Ahmad Siraji, the sorcerer, was because his name was the sorcerer. And I was like, I gotta do it. I have to find out why. And he is from Indonesia. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background about Indonesia because it's important to know in this case. Okay. Okay. So Indonesia, initially, like in ancient times, they followed animism. And animism is the belief that everything has a soul. Everything. So because it has a soul, it influences the world around you, like plants, animals, people, places, stuff, just anything. It's all animated. It's all alive. And some of these souls you can like placate with offerings or rituals. And you're probably like, Meg, what the hell are you talking about? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I promise this information is going to help you understand the journey we're about to take together. Okay. Okay. And there's more. There's a little bit more. Sorry. So eventually, like animism went out and like Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Christianity, all these like religions came through and were like, see ya, animism. Um, and if you didn't know, Buddhism and Hindu Hinduism, they also have like a very interesting magical layer, but that's not why we're here today. But I would talk about that if anybody wanted to talk to me about it. <laughs> I took a religion class and that's my jam. The class that I took, like I studied, like when I had to write my paper, I did it on Hinduism 
And it's very interesting. That's so funny. I did my paper on Buddhism, and they are, but they they very much they they eventually coincide in certain areas of the world. But they're interesting. Yeah, I agree. Again, not the point. Not the point. We digress. <laughs> the point is that in Indonesia there is a very real undertone in their culture. That is mystical. It is supernatural. It is magical. There's this quote I read from J.M. Vandercroft, and it is, Man is surrounded by spirits and deities, apparitions, and mysterious supernatural forces, which unless he takes the proper precautions, may disturb him or plunge him into disaster. And that is like, I know, did you get a little goosebumpy? I did. Yeah. (laughs) So, and that's just how it is there. Um, They accept that like black magic, white magic, demons, ghosts, witchcraft, it all exists. No questions asked. Because of that, every region in Indonesia has spiritual healers, shamans, sorcerers my jam and with that i'll introduce you today to our sorcerer ahmad saraji who was actually born nasib kelawing and i definitely butchered that sorry uh but he was born on december 12 1952 to his father for some reason the way you were leading up to this i thought we were about to have another like back in the day like real back in the day like clementine and then you're like 1952 and i was like whoa Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's a not what I was expecting. No, no, this uh, this happened as recently as 2008. So shut up. Let's no. go. I'm excited. Okay. So born on December 12th uh, to his father, who was a self-proclaimed sorcerer. Mm, Sagittarius. <laughs> I already know where this is going. I think they're always self-proclaimed. Like no one looks at you and is like, I think you're a sorcerer. Yeah. O- only in my dreams. <laughs> I think you're a sorceress. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and people just like give you money for spells. Anyways, anyways, he was born to magic dad and his mom, who was a housewife in a small Indonesian village called Aman Demai, which hilariously translates to peace and tranquility. Because there ain't nothing peace and tranquil about what we're going to get into. <laughs> I see what you did there. (laughs) From the beginning, Nasib, as he was known, is he's always around black magic because his father was actually like a very well-known and respected sorcerer in their like little village. And because his dad was constantly doing, you know, the craft and his mom was catering to his dad. He was pretty neglected. Um, and mm. I did read that his dad was abusive, but there are a lot of like missing details about his child stuff. So, but as you can imagine, being in that environment caused other kids to be like, wow, dude, you're weird. So he didn't really have any friends. He's a little different than your average little Indonesian fella. So what do boys do when their dads give them a carton of smokes for Christmas and tell them, hey, smoke up, Johnny, they become criminals. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it was a breakfast club joke. Yeah. Which I'm also, <laughs> I'm also happy to discuss with anyone. I think I did the uh, the Molly Ringwald drawing when we... <laughs> When we were in drawing class, like senior year. Oh, I remember uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. That was so cute. Which I had it. I would frame it. Um, so anyways, criminal. And after criminal. an adult. <laughs> okay. After. 
After an adolescence of petty crime and public violence, Nasib was sent to prison for 10 years when he was only 19. Wow. And Indonesia does not mess around with punishment. Like drug drug traffickers are sentenced to death. Oh, wow. Yeah. And if you're doing like bad enough shit to land you in prison, you're going to regret it. It is not pretty in Indonesian prisons. Just like. Oh, so like you don't get out just for being good and batting your eyelashes with the. <laughs> it's very easy to like bribe police for other people on the outside to bribe police to like torture you, which I will get into later. It is. It's it's kind of like the wild, wild west. <laughs> it's Yeah. Um, the death sentence isn't like the most common there, but when it is given, they don't tell you exactly when or even if it'll happen. So Nasib, he does 10 years. Which means when he gets out, he's like 29 or 30. He got out in 1971. But before he can make it to 32, he gets put back in prison for cattle theft. Oh. Yeah. And did you know that cattle theft is like common everywhere? I did not know that. They're called cattle wrestlers, which sounds like a cowboy, but isn't, I guess. I don't know. Would you consider this a cowboy? Kind of. Because they are doing crime. Like old school cowboys used to do crime. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They steal cows. They slaughter them. And then they sell them to market without actually having to buy cows. That's what cattle theft is. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why he went to jail. Um, But he gets out of prison again. And he decides that he wants to shed this bad reputation that he has built for himself because people treated him like shit. Like, I wonder why. So no idea. This is when he changes his name. He becomes Ahmad Siraji and he buys a house and actually becomes a cattle farmer. And he gets married to three women that are sisters. Yep. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Their names are Tumini, Tumina, and hmm, I'm going to butcher this one too. Gatia. I think it's Gatia. And those women have nine children that are his. Wow. So homeboy's getting busy with his wives and cattle farming by day. But in the evening, he's a dukun or a shaman sorcerer because he decides he wants to follow in his dad's footsteps. And he was such a great guy. Yeah. And he says his dad taught him everything that he knew. And he actually also became very well respected in his village for this. He was always helpful to his neighbors and people came to him for like various healing magics and spells. Uh, Ladies in particular came to them if they were having marital troubles, if they wanted to appear more beautiful. Sex workers would come to him for spells for like to attract new customers. Huh. Yeah, so he's kind of doing pretty well for himself. We go to 1986, Ahmad is now 35 and he has a dream. He has a vision. And in this dream, the ghost of his father appears to him and says, you need to drink the saliva of 70 dead women so that you can attain invincibility and incredible power. I don't like where this is going. Oh yeah, you don't like it. Can like think about it. In this dream, his dad did not tell him to murder 70 women. He said to just drink dead women's saliva. But this little nerd wakes up and he's like, you know what? Gotta murder. Yep. It's going to be way easier to drink the saliva of 70 women if I'm the one murdering them. So he starts murdering his clients that come to him for magic. What the? Yep. And this wasn't his only motivation because... 
before he would kill a woman, she had to pay for the magical services that she was about to receive. And sca- like scaled to um, American dollars, it's like $200. Wow. So they're $200 to be murdered. Yeah, exactly. $200 to get murdered. And he said that he could have just robbed people, but he might have been shot or jailed. But the way he chose to do it, they came to him. He could rob them and kill them. And What a little weasel. Uh, yeah, a super weasel. He's kind of a little fart knocker. Uh, he would hire prostitutes um, to come to his house because he couldn't just wait around for women who like needed specific spell work and wouldn't be missed. So how is he killing them? Oh, we're going to get to that. How long do you think that he got away with this? I just want to know your opinion. Let's see. Um, I'm going to go with five years. For 11 years. Shut up. No one had any idea? Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing over? Did no one realize like, hey, there's like a lot of women coming up missing. Yeah, over like 80 a lot of actually. Them. Over 80 women in the village in the time that, in that 11 years, have come up missing. And no one is like, you know what? They all were going to Ahmad Siraji's. <laughs> well, How bizarre. How bizarre. So Ahmad murdered those women that came to him or that he hired and he got away with it for so long because even though it's a part of their culture, people went to see village shamans in secret. Oh. So essentially women were coming to him in secret, not telling anyone where they were going, paying him, and then he would take them to a sugarcane field behind his house. He would bury them in a hole up to their waist as part of a ritual and they were literally half buried alive and he would strangle them with an electrical cable and then drink the saliva from their mouth. Ugh. Yep. I literally Ugh. like mouths are the I can I can watch autopsies. I can <laughs> not bat an eye when someone's talking about like brutal murders. I don't think anything of it. If I see blood, guts, gore, but you throw spit into it and I'm done. Yeah, you show me a nasty mouth and I'm gonna yeah that's the one thing that's why when you like talk about dental I'm like I can't I don't know how like (laughs) meanwhile I'm like playing with eyeballs at work but (laughs) you're like well you know eyeballs probably don't smell as bad oh I'm like I have it in my throat like I want to (laughs) vomit I just think it's crazy that he could, he was like, okay, we have to do this ritual and we have to dig a hole and you, I have to bury you halfway inside of it to do this. I wonder if he had the holes pre-dug or if he made her help. No, they both had to dig the holes. They like dug the holes together. (laughs) Sometimes he made just her do it. Like she had to dig her own grave. That makes me so sad. It's awful. And also like a little, like, what the hell? Like how did, how did this like go on for so long? After he had, you know, gotten his saliva fix, he would undress the lady so that and then cover the top half of her with dirt so that she would decompose faster. <gasps> but before he even did that, he was it's so weird because it was all ritualistic, right? He would turn the woman's head to face his house before he buried her because he thought that that would add to his supernatural powers. And then he would cover her with a mound of dirt and he would hide all of the their belongings or like money or purses or jewelry at his house. It was just, they were- Did his three wives, I mean, I could, I think of how suspicious one wife would be. Like, hey, look, my husband's being a little (laughs) weird, but you add three of them, they're gonna be like, guys. And like- Team meeting. Partial team meeting. Uh, Sister wives, (laughs) like actual sister wives. (laughs) Yes. Can you imagine like sharing your husband with your two sisters? (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm picturing your sisters and you sharing one. Let's <laughs> 
we all have like extremely different. Yeah, you're all like that would have to be a dude with range, I guess. <laughs> or multiple personalities. Yeah. I mean, because if you listen, if you're getting at least four different people <laughs> just being married to me. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, so can you imagine how awkward my husband if you had married to all yeah, of us? I, that's what, actually what I pictured. I pictured your husband married to <laughs> you and St. Karen and Kia. And I was just like, oh man, that would be so funny. That would be the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. That wouldn't work. And they all <laughs> and he also would never get away with murdering 70, 80 people because we'd be like, guys, our husband's acting up again. Karen, <laughs> you get on the phone tracker. Kia, you chip him. <laughs> you chip him. Well, well <laughs> let's just digression again. Sorry. So on April 27, 1997, a neighbor was walking in the sugarcane fields that he was oh, burying. No. He's burying his clients in, and he came across this very strange, large mound of dirt. And he was like, oh, that's, that's suspicious. That's weird. So he went to the head of his village, who was also Ahmad Siraji's neighbor. And the village leader and the neighbors, like, they got a couple of guys together, and they go check out this weird dirt mound and the first thing they do is stick a big piece of wood into it ah uh, and i love that their solution is like poke it with a stick let's i know that such uh, a dude thing to do yeah let's just stab it <laughs> But after they broke into that pile, they were met with the rotting smell of decay. And they're like, nope. So they go and tell the military. And the military says, start digging. But if you do find a body, come back and let us know ASAP. So these six guys, neighbors from around the area, they go to dig up this mound of dirt. And they do find a naked, bloated body of a young lady. And the lady wasn't fully decomposed. And somebody recognized her as... As Dewey, a 21-year-old woman that had gone missing from the village three days earlier. Oh, wow. So they summoned her family and her mother said it was like a nightmare had come to life, but she immediately recognized her by her legs. And when she had left home, she just said that she was going to go run an errand. And the errand was going to visit the village to Coon. But because she and she had gone there because she and her fiance had gotten in a fight, but no one knew any of that. Except one person did know. <laughs> Dewey had gone to Ahmad's by rickshaw, and the rickshaw was pulled by a 15-year-old boy named Andreas. And he had picked Dewey up on the night of her death, which was April 24th, and she asked him to take her in a general direction, but she mm-hmm. wouldn't actually tell him where she wanted to go until they were halfway there. And she finally was like, take me to Dukun's. And he asked her why she was going there, and she was pretty much like none of your damn business which yeah you're 15 get out of here <laughs> exactly i would say the same thing to a 15 year old boy trying to talk to me get out of here who do you think you are um and when they learned this the village leader was shocked because siraji the dacoon was his neighbor and oh he helped dig her out of the dirt shut up Mm-mm. he was like oh my gosh he was, what do we have here yeah he was one of the six guys that was helping dig her up um he even told everyone not to worry that if it was a ghost they were digging up. Yep. I don't yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I have no words. So after the rickshaw driver's report and the body, Ahmad Siraji was arrested on April 30th for 
murder. And he was interrogated for four days. And he denied it initially, but eventually he told them what he had done and what he had been doing for more than a decade. Oh my God. Can you imagine being in that room? No. And him being like, all right, let me tell you. So she's not the only one. Yep. There's a bunch of others. Yeah. So he started out by talking about just Dewey. He said that it took 12 to 15 minutes to kill her before he could suck her saliva, which is like the grossest thing I've ever heard in my life. Then he told them, I stripped her with the help of my wife. (gasps) (gasps) Yeah, they were helping. Well, one of them was helping. Yep. He stripped her with the help of his wife, rolled up her clothes, put them in a plastic bag and headed home. Apparently, he said that this was the only time but his first wife, Tumini, who was the oldest sister, she had been invited to come help. And he said he'd only brought his wife along that one time, but all of his wives are arrested. And to me, <laughs> actually charged as an accomplice. Oh, wow. So <laughs> he went on and with his interrogation and let investigators know that to his knowledge, he had done this exact same ritual, burying them, strangling them, suck the saliva. Oh, <laughs> God, every time you say I it. Know, I know, it's awful, it. but I have to say it because it's like, I, I have know. to explain it. He would turn their heads toward the house and bury them some more. He had done it to 42 women and they were all buried in the same sugar cane field behind his house. Oh my God. How big was this sugarcane field? I mean, sugarcane fields, it's like a cornfield, you know, it's big. Yeah. I just did. Is it his specific sugarcane field or is it just like a sugarcane field? It is just a sugarcane field. It was not his because he had um, cattle. And actually the guy who had found the initial mound with Dewey in it said that he was on his way to feed his livestock. So I'm wondering if they just like, it was like a communal livestock area around that as well. Um, I've never been to Indonesia. I would love to go to Bali or something, but yeah, dude, not yet. Not this place though. Yeah. Not not this guy's house for sure. And now they have to go through this field and try to find and dig up 42 bodies. Yeah. And some of them are 10 years. Yeah, exactly. So they're pretty much gone. Yeah. Just bones. The forensic investigator on this case, his name was Alfred Satio. He said they identified Dewey because her body was still fresh. There were four other bodies that they found they got identified because their families came forward but there were at least four that no one claimed had to be cremated because Ahmad was right when he tried to make them decompose faster they did decompose much more quickly when they were naked and so the majority of them were just skulls and bones I hate that for them yeah it sucks Satya says that there is a very real possibility that there were more than 42 bodies in the sugarcane field because like I said earlier over the course of the 11 years that he was active, more than 80 women were reported missing. Yeah. But I'm going to go with there definitely more. Yeah. Like your goal was 70, but (laughs) if you hit it at a certain point, would you have stopped? No, because you're a psychopath. Yeah, and you like the power. You think you're going to be yeah, invincible. Exactly. Guess what? Doubts. It's like turning the faces to get more. Su- like, what are your supernatural powers? Being disgusting. Being a shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of all these like horrible <laughs> things to say, and I was like, I want to be PC here. <laughs> like <laughs> as PC as we yeah. need to be. Yeah. Without like calling him the big C or something. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I wanted to call. <laughs> 
Uh, I see you next Tuesday. Yeah, what a see you next Tuesday. So his murders were never sexually motivated. He said it was just a way for him to rob and make as much money as possible without getting caught and to, you know, hit his quota. After he was arrested, two of the wives were let go and they moved to a different village. But They're like, yeah, we're out. Yeah. The sister wife <laughs> shit's not working out for us. <laughs> They're like, yeah, this was this is not what we signed up for. Um, but Tamini was held accountable during their interrogation. I kind of said this earlier. They denied everything, but they eventually couldn't handle being tortured by interrogators any longer. So they confessed. And I know I said it a little bit ago, but when I say torture, I, yeah, I was going to say, I, mean I bet it's torture. not like good cop, bad cop on no. law and order. I don't know. Did you see this? It was like, it was a couple of years ago, probably 2019, but a video of Indonesian police like surfaced and they were using snakes to get answers during interrogation. I did see that. Yeah, they like threw the snakes on like the guy and they would wrap them around his neck to like let the snake tighten. And then they would like mm. crack the snake at him like a whip. And the guy had just like stolen cell phones and they were trying to get him to tell how many cell phones he had stolen. It like stirred up a whole pot of shit with the UN. Yeah, that's... Because I they found out it was common. Like that was happening all the time. They're like, wait, what? We're not supposed to torture these guys with snakes? Yeah. It- what are we supposed to use? scorpion <laughs> other horrific means the in indonesia like most police or security forces encourage and condone like systematic torture and then like i said they'll take bribes they people regularly die or suffer injury in custody whatever they were doing to them it worked on april 27 1998 a north sumatran court found the sorcerer guilty of murder and making him indonesia's most prolific serial killer killer he was sent- yeah i'd say yeah he was sentenced to death while they were still digging bodies out of the field and he was shot in july of 2008 because their executions are done by firing squad. Oh, man. They're carried out at night in isolated, undisclosed locations, and prisoners get 72 hours notice. Man, that reminds me of Japan. <laughs> yeah, but they do it at night. Like, that's so, that feels feel like that's scarier. It is scary. You're like, what's happening? <laughs> pop, 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 pop. Uh, and then Tumini was also sentenced to death, but her sentence got lessened to life as a Oh, that was nice of them. Yeah, so kind, I guess. Very high. I was reading about different things and like I read about a couple murders where like they only got like two years and three years. I read about this one guy who um, he kidnapped a nine-year-old girl and he got two years in jail. I wonder if there was some corruption with that I one. I don't would assume. That. I would assume so. Um, and even though like Amatsuraji was the most like prolific serial killer in Indonesia and one of the worst in the world, like that's a pretty high yeah, that's a, pretty that's high a body very count. high number. Um, the murders were pretty much unreported in like the press over there because so many people go and see like magic practitioners it's not uncommon for like gnarly shit to go down like clients are regularly raped and money is stolen there's a ton of fraud but because it's part of their culture they just accept the risk hope they get a good one oh my god i wonder if they have yelp reviews My Jacoon is the best. He has not raped me one time. No murder over here. Still live to write this review. <laughs> Indonesia's wild. Well, I 
yeah. came across all of these. And I was like kind of shocked. And because I thought this one might run short, I actually have a little mini episode if you want to keep going. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Okay, I wrote this back up in case you wanted some extra Southeast Asia wildness, wilding out. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Welcome to Grusa. <laughs> Welcome back. This is, ep- this is episode 16.5. 16 and a half. It's not that long. Maybe 10. Okay. So Surabaya, East Java, Indonesia, which apparently is the place. Um, and I think people know this, but if you don't, prostitution is technically legal there and it is widely practiced. Um, it's only like morally illegal. If that makes sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You could do it, but you shouldn't. <laughs> but don't tell. So they have like a ton of brothels or like bordellos, ranches, whatever you want to call them. And there's this woman. Her name is Mommy Rose. That's her alias. I could not pronounce her first name. Sorry, but she had an alias. So I'm just going to use that. Mommy Rose. I like that. And in 1975, she was the madam and ran this very famous brothel called the Whimsa Happy Home. And it, Good for it was known for having like very beautiful women that worked. Like the most beautiful. And there was this Navy official. He's a lieutenant colonel named Perwanto. And he was a client there. And he visited this specific brothel all of the time. But he decided he wanted to get in on like the money and the action that was happening in these places. So he opened his own brothel in 1980. And he asked Mommy Rose to run his brothel too. Or to madam his brothel. Mm -hmm. And so she had to pay him if she wanted to run this one as well. 22 million rupiah a month. And that would raise by 1 million each year and late payments would accrue interest, which sounds insane, but 22 million rupa, like 1 million rupa is like $70. Oh, okay. So 22 million rupa is like 1,540. So it was like he had to pay her, she had to pay him like 1,500 bucks. A month. Um, and again, so it kind of works like the sex workers make money, the madam takes a cut for safety or advertisement or whatever, and then the madam like has to pay rent, like a salon. Yeah, okay. Um, booth rent. Yeah, it's like booth rent, exactly. Exactly. That's hilarious. It's hilarious way to think. Um, so Perwanto opens this place called Wisma Sumber Rejeki, and Mommy Rose is running it also, but they keep getting raided. And raids happen sometimes, especially when there are like children prostitutes. Oh no. Yeah, so it slows down their business to the point that like she can't pay him anymore because they're not even doing enough business for her to make that much like madaming there. So he shows up to her house once she like has said like I can't pay you. I can't do this anymore. He shows up to her house and threatens her and her husband with a gun. Yeah. And he sees her 15-year-old daughter, Rose May. And he essentially asks if he can, like, have her, use her in exchange for debt, right? Mm-hmm. Some lieutenant colonel. Um, But Mommy Rose was like, hell no. Nah. And she marries her off to a policeman instead. Again, different culture. Married her off. Boss bitch move, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. How about she goes to this cop and you can never end it? It pissed him off so much. He sent a whole bunch of dudes over to like her popular brothel and essentially just sent thugs to attack everyone. And they just like beat the shit out of everyone that was working there at like the famous one. Oh, Yeah. So mommy 
got her son and her husband. They went to Perwanto's house and they murdered him and his entire family. All five oh. of them. <laughs> and they were all arrested and got the death penalty. <laughs> but Except for the daughter who married the police officer. Except for the daughter who married the police officer. Exactly. Uh, the husband that helped died in 2001 and the mom and son, Mommy, uh, they were executed the month after the sorcerer was executed in 2008. You know, I want to be mad at her, but... But, like, you kind of get it, too, right? Yeah, I get it. I get it. I don't know. It kind of, like, it, it just coincided enough that I could, like, warrant... <laughs> I was like, well, they, yeah. they, were, they were executed in the same year. Let's just talk about it. And it's, like, the same country. It, it kind of gives us a little insight to the culture over there. Yeah. Sounds wild. Yeah, if we have any Indonesian listeners, please let us know. Yeah, are we off base are here? Are we things. being rude by saying any of this stuff? Yeah, we're not trying to be. I did a ton of Googles about it. <laughs> yeah, that's... I know that's not always, like, accurate, but I really wanted to, like, make sure I understood parts of it, which is why I gave you guys, like, a history lesson and also... <laughs> And also a story. I, you think about it, like that doesn't seem like so far fetched that like it couldn't happen over here. No, absolutely not. Like that kind of stuff. I mean, we can't be like, oh my gosh, he had 42 bodies in this sugar cane, <laughs> cane field because John Wayne Gacy had 26 bodies under his yeah, house. In his base- and then so he just I mean, started throwing them off a bridge when his basement got too Yeah, cool. like we feel you, Indonesia. We got our own mess over <laughs> well, here. Well, that's actually why I started looking um, into like other cases because I was like, I feel like when we think of serial killers, it's always like Ted Bundy, Richard Ramirez, John Wayne, like all these American people because our media is so prominent. And I was like, yeah, we were talking about that when we were talking about uh, Zodiac signs who had the most serial killers. And like some people were like, actually, it's this one. And I'm like, you know what? In America, it is. But there are murderers everywhere in the whole world. Yep. yep. You got to expand your horizon. There's more to the world than the United States of America. No matter how bad we want it to be the whole world. <laughs> The world does not revolve around us. Oh, man. So, yeah, it's just thought that was really interesting. Actually, the next case I'm going to do is also not the United States because I went into like a very deep internet hole when I should have been in bed. Nope, that's how it <laughs> happens. You're like, oh, oh, yep. what? I know. It was pretty, it's pretty fun times. Because you start thinking like nothing can get worse than this. And then you find another case and you're, and you're like, like, oh, oh damn. Yeah. It can get worse. And that's exactly what I'm going to do the next time. <laughs> yep. So you have to lock your windows, lock your, lock doors. your doors, just turn on your turn on gruesome and listen to us and just talk through the anxiety <laughs> of, a, yeah. of being murdered by a serial killer. You know what is like, so I'm like, I feel like it's the opposite for me because I, I struggle with extreme anxiety, extreme social anxiety. Like it's, it's crippling sometimes. <laughs> it is. It is crippling but, for her. I will confirm it. <laughs> but this is like, I don't go in public thinking like I'm going to get murdered today. Like it's little other things that should worry me, but I'm always like, I could spot a creep from a mile away. I don't worry about getting murdered because one, I'm going to stab you in the neck with a screwdriver if you come at me. And two, I feel like, you know, you research stuff so much. I feel like I can look at it in a gas station and be like, man, I bet he has bodies in his back. I'm sure. Like, remember when I texted you about that dude who came up to me at the gas station parking lot? He was just like, I like your car. Do you like it? And I was just like, oh no, sir. You are definitely a murderer. And it was very strange. And then he started asking me about the inside of my car. I was like, yeah, it's good because it's got a TV for the kids. 
he's like, you got a TV in yours? Because he said he had one, but I didn't actually like see his. It was very... Oh, that reminds me. This is really off topic, guys, but I feel like I should say it because I think we have a lot of moms who listen to this podcast. So over the weekend, last weekend, I went to Goodwill. I was shopping in Indianapolis with one of my friends who looks like a petite, tiny child. (laughs) She's an adult, but she's very like, she looks young. Does she listen? Yeah, she does. (laughs) I mean, she's she's built like Karen, if that tells you anything. Like she's, she's just dainty. like, yeah, she's very dainty. And I was with my daughter who's two. And you hear all these stories and you read them on Facebook and you're like, okay, I'm going to roll my eyes at it about people marking cars like for human trafficking and how it's like a growing thing. All I can say is I went there that day. We had just gotten a new, I'm a van mom now. I know, just lost a lot of cool boys. But- <laughs> no. I, got I think a, you gained new, a lot of cool points. I got a new style and profile and van that had been like detailed and everything. Uh, if you know my husband, he's really creepy about that kind of stuff. So it had like just been all cleaned. I get home that day and my husband like drives the van, comes back with, he looks like white, like a ghost. He's like, hey, did you paint on the car? Did you do anything like that to the car? And I was like, no, why? So on the back of the van, like at the top, there was paint, like there was a blue, like horizontal horizontal line, which like correlated, if you look at it, like where I sat, like the driver's seat, there was a white line underneath it, which like my daughter's car seat was behind me. And then there was another white line on the other side. And like, it wasn't there before we left. It was there when we came back. I've researched it. And I guess like, that's how like some people are like marking cars to be like, Hey, there's like a woman and this is how many kids are there. Ah. So it's kind of scary. Yeah. It's kind of scary to think about, especially because we were in Carmel and that's like a really nice area. We were not like, I mean, I went to like two Goodwills and we went to Brew Burger. So it's not like we were in like any sketchy areas. Yeah. But just kind of an FYI for people like key in the area because it kind of yeah, it kind of shook me because I was like, oh, (laughs) but you think about it, no matter how hard you try, if you're putting a child in a car seat and you don't have someone with you, like your back is turned. Yeah. So it's scary and it kind of worried me. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there to all of our listeners. If they mark the wrong car, car, we have an audience. We're going to tell people. (laughs) I'm going to tell everyone. I also have a taser pepper spray and like I said about an eight inch long screwdriver that's like right under Lily's seat so if someone comes at me I'm grabbing it and stabbing my dad got me one of those like stabby jobby keychains I can't remember what they're called but it's like kind of scary I actually don't keep it on my keychain because my kids constantly get it and I'm like you're gonna stab yourself in the eyeball with this thing which is the point but not for my kids yeah yeah you don't want that Karen's husband is a police officer and I was talking about all the things that I had he's like you need a long screw driver just grab it and then turn and stab and so I have that like literally right where my daughter's seat is so I can grab it if you're not trying to kidnap me I'll apologize to you afterwards but I'm gonna stab I'm you. gonna stab you with a screwdriver that's so funny because I normally like I record in the garage normally and when I walk from the house to the garage at night when we're recording I carry a screwdriver with me I'm just like yep. this is what I got I'm not packing heat or anything but I think I could do some damage with it. well my husband was like because like you know we went to the range with your dad I feel like I'm a pretty avid gun connoisseur now (laughs) and 
he was like, you have to get your concealed carry. I was like, I need to go practice with George a little bit more <laughs> yeah, before I... Like, I whip that out and I'm going to be like, hold on, can you just give me like one second while I get ready to murder you? Yeah, I got to call. I got to call my friend's <laughs> I, dad. To I got to call my dad so he can walk me through shooting you while you're in my house. <laughs> got to do it. But yeah, just a heads up. It Alarmed be, you. Be vigilant. Because if it can happen to a co-host of a true crime <laughs> podcast, it can happen to It could happen to you. <laughs> Sorry, I hope it doesn't happen to you. <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen to anyone. Yeah, that's but super scary stuff. If someone comes at me, I'm stabbing you. And spoiler alert, my husband's not letting me take my daughter to Goodwill anymore. It's so. kind of good news. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Well, at first he's like, you're not going to Goodwill. And I was like, oh, like hell. <laughs> first Saturday's going to come back eventually. <laughs> yeah. Do you see this nice jean jacket vest that I bought? Because can't find that at Target. <laughs> Maybe you can right now. I don't know. Not Levi's though. <laughs> yeah. Not vintage. Because vintage is only 20 years, friends, which means 2000 is vintage. Yeah, I'm bringing back the Hollis or crop tops. God, please don't. <laughs> not like to hate on you, but to like, I'm all about a crop top, but I'm not all about yeah, a Hollister crop for. top. Although I did. Okay, so we're, if you guys want to stop listening at this point, you can. I'm just going to give another <laughs> PSA to the, I had seen a girl on Instagram many times talk about Abercrombie mom jeans. And she's like, don't sleep on these. Like they're great. They're comfortable. They hide everything. And I'm telling you, I'm here for them. I'm here for them. I bought a pair at Goodwill. I don't think I could spend the $70 on them in real life because that's just not the way. No, (laughs) That's not the way I'm set up. But I mean, the worst part is like, I could, I just don't want to. It's lucky that you found some. That's cool. I know. They had the tags on them. Somebody else saw that TikTok and they were like, I'm going to buy these. And then they put them on and they were like, can't return these now. And then now... (laughs) Lucky you. They're in my closet. They're just like really ripped, which I dig that style, but I need some fancy ones. Like if I go to a PTA meeting and look awkward in the back, I have to have like nice jeans on. When you're at Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts. (laughs) But all right, guys, thanks for hanging with us through all of our weirdness. Meg gave us two stories today. Surprise. One which, yeah, surprise. One was horrible. One I get. And we'll follow us on all social media, all that fun stuff. Anything else you want to add, Meg? Uh, No. Yeah. Come check out... No, yeah. <laughs> Come talk to us. That's a Midwest. It is. Midwest. It is. Come talk to us on Instagram. Let us know what you think. Follow us on the TikTok. We're doing that on the regs now. That's yeah. That's the extent of our man, social media. So yeah, you young girls that are like with it and like TikTok and like crazy. We need some pointers because it's like a full time job. How I you- spent like two hours making one, and I was like, good thing my kid took a long nap because I can't do this. Yeah. Every day. It's tough. And I don't even know how they learn these dances. I'll never do that, but I'll tell you some cool stories about serial killers. Shout there. out to everyone making TikToks every day. You're, yeah, because it's it hard. Is a job. You I thought it, it was a joke, but it's hard. <laughs> That's it for today. Thank you all so much for listening to Gruesome True Crime with me, Connie, and Meg. We appreciate every single one of you. We truly do. If you actually like us and you're not just trying to seduce and murder us, you can follow along or see extras from the show on our Instagram at Gruesome Podcast. Or if you want to tell us our skin would make a nice lampshade or if you have follow-up questions about the episode, follow the form on our website, gruesomepodcast.com and email us. We love hearing from you guys. You can listen to Gruesome at the links listed on that website, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you normally get your podcast fill. Thank you again. Be sure to subscribe. 
check your back seat before you get into your car. And remember that on Wednesdays, we're we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye.